Good morning, this is Matt Berman from Made From Scratch, and today I wanted to start off with a conversation about inspiration and where it comes from, how to maintain it, and what to do with it. So, I've never really had much of a problem with writer's block or um, creative production since maybe I was a teenager when it was really difficult for me to know where to start. So I'd have a creative writing project and as soon as I could get the first word, even if that word was the, um, it it became infinitely easier for me to um, tell a story or come up with everything thereafter. And so what I learned from that experience back in my childhood was that the the most difficult part of inspiration for me was really getting started and then I would be good to go for I don't know hours or an entire project I could just create and create and create but it was really getting started that was difficult and then over the course of my life I think consistent output has become more of the uh, more of the challenge and the tools that are at my disposal now versus 10 years ago are incredible from anchor to these different social platforms recording equipment all that kind of stuff um, but where does that inspiration come from you know I, I don't I don't know that I have a distinct answer but I think that it starts with sort of your purpose and if you're even even a little bit clear about what you're doing here um, it's easy to get inspired you just get in touch with that and think about something to communicate about it or it itself you know like starting this podcast this morning it's after a holiday weekend I know that a lot of people are slow going getting back to work Um, I'm looking for what do I do to really make this this quarter of the year meaningful and powerful for my business And uh, so I was looking to get inspired. And so, you know, I started with something very simple, inspiration itself and talking about where it comes from. So, you know, one of the tricks, I guess, I could could, uh, offer folks if you're finding yourself lacking inspiration is do something self-referential. So uh, what does that mean? So I'm looking for a way to talk, to get inspired. So I talk about inspiration itself. It's like a loop in a weird way. And then the way to get out of that loop to do something more meaningful is, all right, I've been talking about inspiration now for a couple minutes. What am I inspired about? Well, I'm inspired now about the state of my business. Things are starting to coalesce. I'm starting to uh, develop more client relationships faster. Um, It's easier for me to communicate about what I'm doing, and I'm really inspired about where I'm at. My mood is good, you know, um, things things have been moving in a positive direction now for for, uh, quite some time, and that's awesome. And so another thing about inspiration that helps, I think, keep it alive is celebration. So um, once you've been inspired or inspired yourself about something, it's time to celebrate the joy of that feeling, the power of... Um, the results that can produce, and to share it with other people as best as you can. Because when you're isolated, you know, I was talking about isolation versus independence a couple days ago, um, it's very difficult to to truly stay inspired because kind of like, what's the point? So um, if you're having trouble getting inspired, do something self-referential, um, get in touch with what it is that you're really doing here, and find some way, even a small, tiny little way, like a blog post, or an anchor or something to express that because once it gets expressed in the world it's much more real. I want to pose to the people listening right now to call in and tell me what motivates you when 
you're lacking motivation especially. So, you know, when motivation is uh, abundant, it's sort of just the momentum that is carrying you through. But then when that momentum inevitably stops, which it always will, um, how do you get yourself motivated again? Um, you know, inspiration's not really enough to necessarily to get someone to act. Motivation might not be either, but motivation certainly helps keep the driving force moving forward. And, you know, I find motivation in um, in com- competition. So, you know, thinking about who I'm competing against and, and building up in my mind or looking out in reality at a very formidable opponent um, always drives me because there's there's like a bar. You know, there's something to get over, get past. There's a lot, finish line to cross. And that to me is very motivating. That might not be motivating for everybody, but I would think that if you're in some sort of competitive environment, it sort of um, forces motivation because it's like you're either going to be motivated and move and determine, or you're just going to fail or die or whatever the you know whatever the consequences of that kind of competition. So that always is incredibly motivating. I also find motivation um, having a business partner, my wife. You know, um, I work for her. I work to make sure that I'm upholding my responsibility in our relationship and in our business. And I think that for founders who, um, you know, founders or business owners that have no partnership, you know, you own 100% of the equity and no one can tell you what to do. It's a very um, alluring concept, but it doesn't, it's, it doesn't really work very well. Um, for one reason or another, it just doesn't seem to work very well. So I find motivation both from the inside and the outside. And, uh, you know, competition definitely drives it. But having a great partner or partners or um, people who are looking for my motivation and inspired by it, people who listen to my anchor station, people who follow me on LinkedIn, you know, these are the kind of places I find my motivation from. So um, if you're listening and you continue to listen, thank you so much for doing that. And uh, call in. I would love to hear from some people what motivates you or what stops you. And, you know, maybe I can help uh, kick you over the fence. Being thankful is an incredibly powerful mindset and uh, something that I'm practicing in my own life right now. And what I've been finding is that... Um, that kind of appreciation, it just it just forces a positive net result in my life, you know. And it takes work. It really takes work because I, you know, maybe maybe not everyone is like this, but I'm not naturally. Uh, my natural disposition is not to be thankful and happy. My natural disposition is to be pretty critical. Um, a lot of things upset me easily, and it takes a lot of work. And over the course of my life, I've worked very hard to um, maintain some kind of positive disposition and it's not always easy and uh, I certainly have failed at that a lot and the one thing that I keep coming back to is thankfulness you know being being appreciative of what exactly I do have and focusing on that without forgetting that there's things that I want or need um, or desire that I don't have yet that are not in my life Um, you know the the kind of thinking like um, there are people so much less fortunate you know to a certain extent that's that's helpful um, it can kind of put things in perspective but you know it's it's weird because you can only suffer over your life you can't suffer over someone else's so 
Um, the best way, rather than thinking about, oh, it could be so much worse, I think is to be thankful for what you do have, put things in perspective briefly, and then keep moving, you know, keep moving towards um, those things that you will eventually be more thankful for having. Because the other thing is, you know, being thankful for what you've got or what you've had um, doesn't push you forward in life. It, it, at best, provides a sense of stability in the here and now, which is critical and very important. But um, without a dream, which, you know, and hey, you should be thankful if you're able to dream. If you're not able to dream, I mean, to me, that's a pretty sad state of affairs. So um, that's another thing. If you're finding it difficult to be thankful for anything, um, you might want to think about what, what to dream about. Maybe there's something that in the next year, two years, five years, 10 years, 30 years that you believe you could attain. Um, and if you're able, if you're in a position to go for that, that's something to be thankful for. That was something that I definitely appreciated a lot um, and thought a lot about this Independence Day is that I might be struggling at times. It might not be going as fast as I want it to, but I have the opportunity here in America to go for my entrepreneurial dream, build a company, um, stand for what matters to me. And not everyone has that opportunity. That's an incredible gift. Um, and there's a lot of sacrifice that millions of people have made over hundreds of years to allow for that here and in other places around the world. And so um, for all of that, I have to be thankful. And I'm, I'm just realizing as I'm saying all this, that the more and more and the bigger and bigger things that I'm capable um, and developing myself to be thankful for, the more peace of mind that I get, the happier I am overall, the more motivated I am, the easier it is to be inspired. So it, it just pulls everything together and uh, it starts very small. And uh, one of my grandfathers, uh, my grandfather on my father's side, used to say stuff like, um, you know, if you're having a shitty day, focus on the least shitty part first and just be really thankful for that least shitty. I mean, it could be seriously the worst day of your life, but if both of your shoes stayed tied the entire day and you didn't trip, great, good for you. You know, and if you start there and you become thankful for these teeny tiny little things, um, it's just like weeding a garden. You know, you pull one weed out, it's easier to pull the next one. Once you pull all the weeds out of the garden, one by one, little by little, you've got a much more beautiful, hospitable place. And uh, that's like your mind or your heart. So, you know, being thankful for these little bitty things um, inevitably opens up my eyes to how beautiful the sky is and how thankful I am to be healthy. And, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for, especially if you're able to listen to this. You know, that means that you've got technology, the internet, and, uh, you know, some kind of leisure time, right? So be thankful for as much as you can. It's incredibly powerful. You know, identity is a really funny thing. And it's becoming harder and harder to uh, quantify, study, and understand, I think, the more and more uh, quickly we evolve these ways to communicate through this high-speed technology. And I'll tell you what I mean. So it used to be that over the course of a human life, your identity would change. Okay, maybe there's some core parts of you that remain constant, but you know, the when you graduate high school or college or you get that first job or you get fired for the first time, someone breaks your heart, a loved one dies, you know, your child's born, whatever. There's a lot of different uh, kinds of events in life that alter a person's identity. And, you know, looking back through old photographs or letters or 
um, cards or gifts or you know these kinds of things they remind you of who you once were and you can sort of see you know from an old photograph like oh my god I can't believe we used to dress that way right or oh I remember that time and you think back and you think about how you reacted and you can see if you had changed and you can see how you had changed and the moments in time of history of your own life were much more limited um, back before people were taking pictures even on digital cameras you know 10 or 15 years ago when you had to take pictures on a camera with film and get it developed and this is not you know nostalgia road or when I was your age kind of stuff this is just like fact reality right there was a time before you could just take an infinite number of pictures and record in all of your thoughts and share them and have people see them and react to them and so your identity was in some ways a lot more fixed and a lot more easy to remember or categorize because uh, there was just less documented. Now um, we're charging forth into this world where it's almost expected that everything that happens to you is shared and available for the world to see and it's harder and harder to um, categorize and identify these things because there's just too damn much of it. There's so much of it. There's so fucking much of it. I mean, especially if in five years, if you're 15 or 20 years old right now, in five or 10 years, it's gonna be, you, you would have a smorgasbord, a Pandora's box type amount of stuff to look back on. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not, you know, making a value judgment about it. It's just when you look at crafting the identity and especially when you look at who am I going to be today, tomorrow, in the next year, in the next five years, in the next ten years, it's just confusing. It's just a really strange um, kind of activity now because it's hard to know where we've come from, how far we've gone. There's very little time to critically think about these events. You couldn't possibly look back through a year of, you know, whatever social network that you traffic on the most. You couldn't possibly go back through a year of time and look at this stuff. I mean, that's why it's so insane when you see people uh, digging up old tweets from celebrities or politicians who said stupid things. Um, it used to be, you know, people would say, well, remember in that interview from five years ago, you said this, and, you know, it's like one moment in time, as opposed to 2,000 moments in time. And it's incredibly fragmenting for the personality. I've talked about this before. Um, and it's just a challenge. It's something that we all have to deal with and figure out as people in the new industrialized world that has never, ever, ever been the case. There's no time in human history that we're aware of where people had to assemble so much data just to figure out who the fuck they are in any given moment. So, you know, there's a danger of becoming too self-identified because you get disconnected from the world itself, but there's an even bigger danger of becoming too identified by popular opinion or, um, you know, this sort of common shared experience because you get lost in that. So. You know, I don't have an answer for this. It's really an inquiry, and it's something that we're all going to have to continue to discover. And the best that I've come up with is um, ensuring that I think carefully about what I'm going to say, allow myself to think things out and learn them as I go, and be humble about the fact that I don't have it all figured out yet. So that's the best advice that I have on the subject. And, you know, keep thinking and keep discovering. 
when you hear people talk about a work-life balance, um, I think it's a misleading characterization or a misleading use of the language. What, what people really mean when they say that stuff is a life balance. Um, you know, to say work-life, that's as if work is a completely separate thing uh, outside of the realm of what we call life, which isn't definitely isn't true. I mean, it's not a part of death. It's not a part of some, uh, you know, uncharacterized dimension. It's a part of life. Work is a part of life. So really what you're looking for is a life balance where what you call work is, is, is balanced in some regard against the time you spend doing other things or being with other people that aren't your work colleagues or staff or whatever. And uh, that's really important to remember, I think, because it sets up this expectation for people where work is sort of like a necessary evil as opposed to an integral part of life just so much as uh, anything else that you do. And it truly is. You know, you can't, whether, whether you live in an industrialized country or um, a place that's still very agricultural in nature, like, you still have some work to do, and that work is not independent of the rest of your life it's intimately tied to it um, so really the thing that we're struggling here as a society with I think especially for those of us who are in the digital realm um, or, or doing business marketing online is because it's constant and because uh, customers or clients could be on uh, available and needing something at 24 hours a day seven days a week anytime anywhere it's, it's natural to think that therefore we have to be in this, in, omnipotent in a way. And obviously you can't be, you know, you're a human being. So the balance is, you know, also in people's expectations. So balance your, but you know, it, that, that happens when you've balanced your customer's expectations, which is much easier in a business to business uh, setting, I think, than a consumer setting because a consumer is much more selfish, less connected to the company, and uh, the company has more of an obligation to serve than in a business-to-business -business relationship where you actually could probably tell your clients, hey, our salespeople don't answer the phone between 6 p.m. Uh, and 7 a.m. the next day. So don't, you know, don't expect to hear from them until, uh, until 7.01 or you know, before 5.59, right? Um, you could actually do that. You could actually do that. Now, if you have uh, like a medical center that you're running, okay, maybe the balance is, is, needs to be found with how many staff people you have so that someone is available 24-7. Or maybe you can figure that out in your business, right? Is, is to have customer service available 24-7, somehow, some way, somewhere. But, um, you know, that, that doesn't mean that everything gets an equal share of time. So, you know, work-life balance does not mean that if you spend uh, 60 hours a week working that you have to spend an equal 60 hours a week um, with family and friends or, you know, a hobby or something like that. It doesn't, doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you have to find something, you know, balance. What does balance mean? Um, probably found in your mental state, you know, a place where you feel and can operate and those around you um, fit into some sort of a homeostasis where things are not always chaotic. Things are not always, um, you know, feeling like they're in crisis mode. That's what balance is to me. 
And you can find that in your own way. And every person is going to be different. Okay. You know, workaholic as a, as a definition certainly has its place for people who can't find a balance in the rest of their life. And oftentimes people pour into work when other areas of their life either aren't working or have not become as important or there's some sort of problem there. And so, okay, that might need to be addressed. But just because somebody is dedicated to their work, especially if you're building a business from the ground up, especially if it's your first one like myself, it just takes an incredible amount of time and effort and attention. And, you know, there are not times for watching every basketball game or, you know, all those other kind of things. So you have to find the various aspects of your life from your health and fitness, family and friends, work, spirituality, you know, all the things that encompass a human life. Those are the things that need to get balanced, not just work and quote life.